New City Church podcast, and welcome today to episode number nine of Ask Pastor Joel. Each week, we take questions concerning the previous week's sermon from New City Church or just a burning biblical question that's weighing on someone's heart. And today, back in the studio, we have Pastor Joel. Hey, man, how are you doing today? Hey, man. Episode nine? Episode Already? nine. I didn't know that? Yep. And I, well, I, you did miss two. So. I like our studio. It's a nice studio. <laughs> it's a nice studio. Nobody ha- people have no idea. No idea. What does it look like in here? Let's give them a taste for it. What is it? Well, there's a bookshelf behind you with about, well, I don't know, probably 100 or so books. <laughs> should be more. Should be more. Yeah, I could for, use I more mean, books. For an experienced pastor as yourself, I think it should be more. Yes, there's absolutely. There's a couch. <laughs> We've got a nice view of downtown Bath to our, my left, your right. That's right. Yep. See uh, the big Bath Ironworks crane? Famous crane. Yep. Yep. That's where you work. That's where a I work. A little bit about Austin. Yep, yep. It's good to be here, man. Yeah, uh, missed you last two episodes, but I'm thankful John was able to uh, fill in for you. Yeah, it was so. awesome. There were good answers, too. Yeah. Yep. Um, how's, how's your week been? You're going uh, down south uh, this weekend, aren't you? Yeah, heading to New Orleans with Isaac on uh, Saturday, down to the convention. Uh, lots of big things happening with uh, SBC. Just want to be there to be a part of it and see, um, yeah, one, and then also just to network and fellowship and be encouraged. But there's some... Yeah, big, some big things. Maybe we can update when we come back next week, have a little segment on that if, if people are interested. Don't want to bore people, though. <laughs> Not too much. Next pressure. week's question, what is the SBC? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just get right to the question. Um, and this question actually comes from, from myself, um, something I'm curious about. So my question is, Joel, as a post-millennialist, and yes, I'm outing you as a post-milly today, is that a word? Post millie, huh? Post post mill, whatever. <laughs> As a post millennialist, what are your thoughts on theonomy? Because I recently listened to a podcast from a couple reformed brothers in which they disagreed with it. So I would like to see what your stance is on theonomy. Thank you for outing me. Wow, <laughs> uh, I won't elaborate too much on that phrase since it is June. But anyway, <laughs> um, all kidding aside, no, it's good. Uh, you have the advantage of being the host. Uh, that you get to ask questions that you know will um, definitely strike at the core of of uh, the pastor answering the questions. So that's good. Um, so postmillennialist, you, you're assuming? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm, I would say I am a postmillennialist. I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk about that near the end of the question. Uh, first of all, it is a good question, and I'm assuming that maybe some of the people listening. Hopefully, it's most of our church family that listens to these. But whoever is listening, um, I'll try to define some of these things. Um, but I think I'll just start by saying this. It's, it's safe to say that all Christians want to see a transformed society. And as I was thinking about this, how to answer this question, I really wanted to get to the heart as to why, why these topics seem to exist. And of course, all I can do is research and read books and sort of go, because I'm not inventing this phrase. and I didn't come up with this stuff. So most people who you look to that seem like they know a lot of stuff, well, they're mostly just good researchers and they read really well. So, um, but you know, we want to see a transformed society. So we need to ask ourselves, how do we expect to get there? And so a definition of theonomy, if you were to say basic definition, the word theonomy just means God's law, as opposed to, if you think of the word, the much more uh, used word is autonomy, which means self-law. So there's autonomy and then there's theonomy. 
And so when you just break it down to the basics of what that means, I think nobody would be against theonomy. Like we like God's law. The opposite of that would be an antinomianist, which would say, like, we're against God's law. We're, we don't want his law, um, or it's not, it's not for us today. So if we keep it right there, we all Christians should say yes to theonomy because Scripture declares that the law is good. So from a theological standpoint, when I say theological standpoint, it's the study of God. So as you study God and you study God's word, from that standpoint of looking at systems, what we're talking about is how God's law is actually applied to today. So we can't just stop by saying, yeah, we're theonomists in that we love God's law. But the question of theonomy in the broader scope of that discussion is usually applied to an eschatology. So it's the study of how God's law is affecting our world, and ultimately how it's culminating to the end and what's going to happen as we progress through the ages. So it's not a question of whether we love God's law, but what is required of us and what is required of the world that we live in. So those are two questions. So how is it applied today? And then what is required of us and the world that we live in? So we just started walking through Matthew 5. If you're part of New City Church, you know that these famous words were said by Jesus. He said, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So this in some sense means that Christians today are not, they're not to live in ignorance of the law of Moses because Jesus goes on in his sermon as we've been breaking this down to pull out uh, specific things, pieces of the law and establishes them as a deeper matter of the heart that are, that's to be submitted to. So anger and lust and these things that our hearts are to be submitted to the king, to, to Christ the king. The conversation about theonomy is, is growing. Um, I would say that probably most people listening to this and the average churchgoer is really not even concerned about it. I figured it'd be good to just say that because though some people are thinking about it, not everybody is and, and not everybody really should necessarily be so concerned with these phrases. But once you hear them, I think it's good to be educated and to know because they're not pointless. This is not to say it's not a good and important study, um, but as with many debated subjects, we need to be sure that our motivation is the glory of Christ and his kingdom, not just mastering a system of theology. And I don't care if that's, uh, you know, theonomy or Calvinism or whatever it is. That's your next question, I'm sure. So, so let me, let me break it down into three sections. You asked, what are my thoughts? What is my stance? And then thirdly, I'll address briefly post-millennial, the statement on post-millennialism. So my thought on theonomy is developing. That's my honest answer. It's, it's developing. I'm interested in the conversation because I love the idea of a world that is being reconstructed around the word of God. Just think about it for a moment. Think about if right now Bath, Maine were suddenly submitted wholly to the law of God in government, in schools, in private public sector, businesses were just submitted to God's law. It'd be a different world. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that thought. So that's why I'm interested in the, in the topic. So I, I love the idea of a world that's reconstructed. That's the ultimate implication of theonomy, is that every sector of society would adhere to God's law. For instance, most states in our country and around the globe would agree with God's law on theft, adultery, and murder. Although there's hypocrisy around the sixth commandment with murder, when you think about the abortion debate, even the, the, the courts that would say you should not murder, they're completely obliterating all of their thoughts on that by the fact that they're killing unborn humans. But 
there is God who invented these laws. Why do we say that adultery is wrong and that murder is wrong and theft is wrong? It's because it comes from the Ten Commandments. God's the one who originated that. One famous, famous theonomist, and I would just take notes of these names. You can research them. So Gary North, um, he's dead now, but says this Mosaic law is still to be enforced by the church or the state, or both, unless there is a specific injunction to the contrary in the New Testament. So his take as a theonomist is that all of the Mosaic law should still be enforced unless something in the New Testament says you don't have to obey that anymore. Other variants of theonomy do exist. So this would be the approach that I probably hold to, because there is a th- I think there would be more of like a full-bred theonomy, which was more prominent in, the I guess, the 70s and 80s, and then now similar to what is being called New Calvinism. There's also a, a new theonomy, and guys like Doug Wilson and, and uh, James White would hold to what would be a general equity theonomy. So it's different than the, the rigid Reconstructionism that was prevalent in the 80s. General equity theonomists, like, like I said, Wilson and, and White, are, are more flexible on which laws apply today. So they're not so much concerned with with the details of applying every law to every situation, but they're more concerned about discerning the principles of the Old Testament law and applying them to current laws. So the principle of the law, they're trying to find the heart of it. And so that's a, that's a basic understanding of what is theonomy and you know my thoughts on it. It's developing, I'm growing. And as you're listening to this, if you have the desire to go deeper and study what some of these uh, words mean, I, I encourage you to do so, but of course, just be careful. Um, there's a lot of opinions on all kinds of things on thousands of different websites. And so if you're a part of New City Church, I would encourage you to reach out to the elders and find out, hey, is this a good source to be reading? Do you trust this source? Even if it disagrees, um, there are still good and bad sources. So my stance, so those are my thoughts. My stance is I do want to see the world changed for the glory of Christ. I want it to be changed down to every sector of society. I don't know who, I don't know what Christian wouldn't want that to happen. But the question I have to ask myself is, can this be done by changing laws? So can we just change laws and then expect the world to change? And I, I think the answer is no. Um, ultimately, this only gets done when the gospel is believed and when hearts are converted to Christ. And in this, the law finds, according to New Testament, its greatest fulfillment. And two summary statements that Jesus said ultimately sum up the entire law anyway, which was love God supremely and love your neighbor as yourself. So as hearts are transformed and changed by the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel. And that's really, I think, the rub is where when people disagree with theonomy as the way to transform and reconstruct the world, is they're saying that's not the way. The way is through simply the proclamation of the gospel. We don't have to be involved in politics or in culture wars. All we have to do is be a, we have to be the church, a separate entity that infiltrates by preaching the gospel. Whereas the theonomists, the general equity, even today, theonomists are, you see, those are the guys that are involved in the abortion clinics. And those are the guys that are, are taking seriously the laws that God says and are saying, no, we should apply those today. So, um, but I agree with the fact that you can go too far and there's a disconnect from this spiritual uh, revival that you're looking for the Holy Spirit to do that only he can do to change hearts. So um, I'm also in agreement with what seems to be the reason that these reconstructionists or theonomists exist, and I, I think this is also important. It's because, and I think you'd probably agree with this, Austin, and most people that are listening would say that there is a distaste 
in most Christians, or some Christians anyway, for the way the church is involved with social and cultural engagement. So we look and we say, where is the church in this situation, in this situation of cultural decline, whether it's politics or the way businesses are run or the way people are being treated um, or laws that are being enacted, and where is the church? And so you have you have a lot of people that are sort of saying, well, shouldn't the church be showing up in these situations? And because of that, you have these reconstructionists and theonomists that are saying, no, we're going to jump in and we're going to be involved. And we're going to be actively, we're going to actively be the church uh, in, these, in these arenas. So I read this article today uh, in Nine Marks. It says, uh, and I can't remember what the guy's name is, but we can put these things in the show notes. We don't ever do that, do we? No, yeah, we could do that. We could put some of these uh, sites, things that I'm citing in the show notes. But he says, both brands of theonomists argue for a better way, talking about the general equity and the reconstructionist. They cast themselves as the few, the proud, the truly reformed who will give no quarter to the progressive left or the squishy middle. Their aim is to defeat secularism and its dispensationalist and big Eva co-conspirators. Their burden is to construct a society built on God's law. There's part of that that I agree with in that that's my burden too. My burden is to construct a society built on God's law. I think where somebody would say, I I disagree with that is to say, how exactly are we going to go about doing that? Is it simply by just living our life daily, seeking to fulfill the Great Commission by preaching the gospel into these spheres? Or do we take the more active approach in that we are actively seeking to bring about this reconstruction by bringing God's law to bear uh, in these current sectors. So that's from my limited, very limited research and time thinking about these things um, and in just some of my own thoughts. That's that's where I stand and that's what I would say my thoughts are on theonomy. There is a vast world of theonomists and it varies just like saying, I'm a Baptist. Like, well, what kind are you? It, it just doesn't, you can't, you, so you have to sit down and have a conversation. And what I'm finding with this topic, as with any other, I feel like I agree with bits and pieces of what most all of them are saying. And so I think we just have to be careful that when we jump into a system like this, that we don't become so narrow that we don't let the scriptures ultimately dictate us. And that we don't start shutting people out of our lives as People that aren't worth listening to just because they don't agree 100% with us. Anyway, how does that play into post-millennialism? That's another big topic. So I think it fits naturally with it. And I will say that as far as my view of post-millennialism, I'm I'm far more confident in saying that I'm that than than saying I'm a theonomist. Um, Just from the study of Scripture, places like Daniel, Revelation, Matthew 24, it's usually the interpretation of those three major texts all of Daniel, particularly Daniel 2 and 7 and, the, and 9, the prophecies of the future kingdom, Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, and the, Jesus' words on his second coming and the destruction of the temple and the destruction of Jerusalem that happened in 70 AD, and then the timing and interpretation of Revelation, specifically chapter 20 that talks about the coming of Christ and when does that happen in relation to this supposed and I don't mean any disrespect by saying supposed, but this supposed 1,000-year millennial kingdom. So a very quick definition that might lead to a second question down the road is post-millennialism. First of all, that's your next task, just to say that word clearly (laughs) 
<laughs> 10 times fast. Postmillennialism is this idea that the, the thousand year reign is not literal, but it's just a long period of time. And I don't think you have to do a whole lot of acrobatics to, to make that the case in the scriptures that not every number is to be taken literal. But there's this long period of time between the resurrection of Christ, the, the introduction of the, the church, and when Christ returns, and that would be the millennium. It's not a literal thousand years, and that Christ returns after that thousand year millennium. So right now, according to a post mill, we are in this millennial reign, and the reign is a spiritual reign that was introduced when Christ came and established his kingdom on the earth and then took his seat on the throne after his resurrection to declare himself and ultimately be declared by the Father as the ruling, reigning king. The scepter is in his hands, and it will never depart from him. Yeah. Um, I wasn't always post-mill, but the post-mill view is very attractive in that it's, it's very optimistic. The difference between the amillennial view and post-millennial primarily comes down to the level of optimism and is the, is the world generally declining all the way to the point of Christ's return where it suddenly gets better? Or is... Are things going to slowly, over time, over potentially thousands of years, and even with ups and downs, is it going to increasingly get better and better up till Christ's return, where it ultimately finally does, everything gets restored. And so that's, that's the view that I hold. Again, it's, it's because of some scriptures, primarily in Daniel chapter 2, uh, speaking of the kingdom and, and how, what Christ did when he came and crushed the the kingdoms of that age. And, uh, and the, the reason, and I'll stop there because I don't want to go too far in post-mill, but why it, you can see why it fits well with the theonomy mm. because it's this optimistic view that we can take God's word and the Great Commission and take stances in areas of politics and culture, cultural wars, um, societal things that we see as uh, unbiblical and evil and satanic and confidently stand with this mindset saying, we are going to be victorious. This is the kingdom of Christ, and Christ rules, and he, he, is the, he is the ruler over all. And so you can see how that would fit in with this uh, theonomist view of, of uh, seeing that we're not, we are not the minority here. Ultimately, we might be less, less in number, but because Christ is king, we are emboldened to do these things. So Christianity progressing over this long haul and ultimately the world being Christianized through success of the Great Commission. And so I, 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 think, that, I think that that's a good view. I like that. Yeah. And, it's, and I'm not saying I hold to it just because I like it. I like it and I hold to it because I seem to see it in Scripture. Mm -hmm. um, could my mind be changed? Sure. Why not? There are dangers in this. And so I just thought we'd end by just saying, where are the dangers in it? And I think the dangers are in becoming political activists and forgetting the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, you might notice certain ministries or certain people where they, they are, there's a heavy involvement in, in certain areas of uh, private and public sector um, where they're sort of taking the bull by the horns and handling things uh, in their own strength where you wonder if they are trying to see change through real spiritual transformation by the preaching of the gospel. So I think that could be a danger um, by leaning too hard in that direction. Um, and I'm sure there are many other dangers, uh, but that's just the one that I, that I sort of, I guess, comes to mind first that I would want to just warn, warn people from. Um, my hope is that this opens up a whole bunch of other questions because, as we said before we recorded this, you can't really, yeah, in a short amount of time. Yeah. But, um, 
yeah, I guess that would be, I guess that would be my quick summary uh, of theonomy. And I'm, I'm excited to continue to study and grow. So I appreciate the question yeah. and uh, looking forward to, to seeing how that plays out. Probably could have definitely made this into like a, a sermon series or something. Oh, a sermon I mean, series. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, so the, I guess a little bit of exposure I've had to it is just like such a big topic and like, um, you know, looking at it and comparing it to like the other, uh, so I, I guess more uh, post-millennial, uh, comparing it to uh, the other eschatological views. It's just like, especially like looking at our world now and seeing just, how like I mean, all across the globe, it's like seeing how evil is like evil is rising. It, in a sense, it it would be hard to justify. Oh, like it, yeah, the the right view is post millennial view, and everything's supposed to be getting better. When you know, you see like everything getting worse, but um, but yeah, I I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely a uh, yeah, definitely a difficult topic to tackle, for sure. And very yeah. Well, what could be fun is. Uh, I don't know if this would work or not, but it'd be, it'd be great to get Isaac, maybe Isaac and I um, together and do a little uh, side-by-side just talk discussion on post-millennialism. There you I, go. I did it. Post-millennialism. <laughs> uh, I failed my own test. Um, and, uh, and then I know some of the, yeah, the other elders in the church actually have a variety of stances on, on eschatology. And so without wanting to confuse people... Um, but it would be interesting to get, a, uh, I guess, a, st- a stance and a take on the mm. eschatological views. Um, not sure how we, could, we should actually do that in a way that doesn't confuse people. Future but. episode coming up, Ask Pastor Joel, John, Mark, Isaac, and Eric <laughs> on postmillennialism <laughs> and various awesome. eschatological views. On, on Just briefly on what you said about things getting worse and worse, I, I, I often think of that too. And I grew up in a dispensational mindset where not only were things getting worse, but like, look out, like everything's about to get so bad you have nowhere to turn and the very next event is the rapture of the church the secret rapture so mm-hmm. y- y- you better be ready and your message to everybody was get ready for the rapture it's going to be too late and i just don't see that i just don't see that in scripture i see a warning the warning is to turn to christ uh and re- repent and sin but it's not because the rapture is coming and then you look at the message of the kingdom that christ gave and he gave this this mindset that the kingdom is a ever growing uh, thing in the midst of a dark world. Mm. And what's the media doing? Like, we can't accurately see what's going on in yeah. Sweden, Africa, Asia, uh, these places where you don't get to see what the kingdom is doing. When I hear reports from missionaries that are just preaching the gospel in villages and mountain communities and going where the gospel hasn't been named, they're like, well, if it keeps it up at this rate, Jesus is going to come back next week because people keep hearing the gospel and people getting saved, and churches are being planted by the hundreds and thousands. American media is never going to allow us to see that kind of thing. So yeah. we are forced to see things in a pessimistic mindset. So, again, I guess that just points out that we need to be more kingdom-minded and think about global missions probably a lot more, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, I won't, uh, I won't add any more comments or questions, but uh, Joel, thank you so much for answering that. My pleasure. And I'm looking forward to having more conversations later on. Um, so if you have a question, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so you can text us your question to 207-790-1955, and we will hope to answer your questions in future episodes. 
And we hope you were blessed by today's episode. Um, a heavy topic, but I, I think it can be an important topic. Um, and if you were blessed, uh, we would love for you to continue to check out our, our episodes where we answer these questions. Um, so to stay on, to stay connected with us, hit the follow or the subscribe button at the top of our page. And also make sure to give us a review as it helps us out a lot with getting our Christ-centered content out on these platforms. So that's all we have for today. But we hope you have a blessed day and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the New City Church podcast. For more content from New City Church, check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Or if you want to find our gathering times, location, or any other information about New City, check out our website at www.bathnewcity.church. We hope to have you join us next episode.